0: Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. On today's show, I have the pleasure and honor to welcome a super talent, great guy, and a new friend of the show. Eric Bishop is a debut author with a debut hit called The Body Man. There's a lot to cover, plus plenty of playtime, as you'll see very quickly, so I'll get right to it. Time to get in The Thriller Zone.
1: Where's Tammy, though? I want to see Tammy. Screw David. I mean, come on dexter where's
0: mom yeah she's not home yet she's still out work. matter of fact let me close this door yeah if i don't if i don't close that door he'll be
1: he'll be coming
0: he'll be barking at every goddamn truck going by
1: in the neighborhood well it's funny i'm hoping this is a, a nice quiet time because uh, for the last hour i've been working mm-hmm. and i'm not exaggerating someone down the road is shooting an automatic rifle i'm sitting here working i hear At first, I thought AR. "Ah, AR, no, he's either got a bump on it or he's got a full-on auto going. And I'm like, sweet, I hope he's still doing that at 6 o'clock. Welcome to the South.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the only man I know that gets excited when he hears an AR going off in his neighborhood.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to go grab one. I thought maybe I have to be ready for the war. Well, you just Uh, tell me when you're all ready
0: and we'll get the official, you know. Yeah.
1: I can't decide
0: whether I look like I'm going out... Ready to play tennis with Buffy or, uh, you, you definitely that...
1: look, look like a tennis player there.
0: <laughs> it's either that or Mr. Bishop. I'm glad you've come in for your proctology. Uh, Cause if you just grab your ankles, uh, we'll take care of that little nasty.
1: <laughs> I think I got a few years before I got to have that. And, I, have no, got... I mean, you look like, you know, you look like you're going out with Thomas Howell and, you know, getting on the boat and chasing chicks. I mean, you you know,
0: got a little gin you know. and tonic here going down. Hmm.
1: Hey, this is Eric Bishop, author of The Body Man, and you're listening to David Temple and The Thriller Zone, which is exactly what you should be doing right now. Enjoy.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Eric P. for Published Bishop. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, sir. It's taken a little bit of time to get that P turn into published. From Paul's published, took about seven years. Is that seven all? Years. That, that seems awesome? like a darn long time, David, because I tell you what, I wrote that first novel, and like most stupid people in this world, I thought, well, I'm set, you know, I'm this is going to hit, I'm, I'm on Golden Street, I can quit my day job at some point, and seven years later, I'm talking to David Temple, and the, the body man is now available, and uh, it wasn't the body man that I was trying to write seven years, I wrote seven years ago, but uh, four books later, I got one.
0: Man, dude, I have been following this since... I don't know when our paths first crossed. We're new friends, relatively. You have been a huge support of mine, just huge support for the Thriller Zone and my own personal thing. But I, you're one of those guys that I believe in 100%. I met you. I was like, man, this guy's got it. He's got the burning passion. He's got the fuel. He's got. And then I read the book, which we'll talk about in a second, and I went... The motherfucker has the goods too. (laughs) Well, thank you. Hashtag boom.
1: Very, very pleased to hear that. And it's been, it's been a pleasure meeting you. And yes, I do not know. I know we probably met via social media, which is how I probably met most people in this business.
0: You mean 10,000 of your new friends?
1: Yeah. You know, I talked to a few (laughs) of them. Not not quite, not quite the 10, but um, I know we were at Thriller Fest together three years back, but we did not cross paths that I recall. Um, so, but I believe we had had some interactions since then. And you were there in 20,
0: no, it was 19. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 2019. So last year we met in person actually. So I was, I was thinking there was going to be one in uh, new Orleans this year. And I even went down there and nobody showed up, you know, so I was there there on my own.
0: (laughs) Hey, little side note folks, Eric went down to Bushikon, right? Yes. And he, he was giving me text play by play, dude. I got to get out of here. A hurricane's coming.
1: Holy the, bishop. The, the funny part of that is Eric almost didn't switch his flight. So I uh, I had a couple days down there, obviously, and I was by myself. I was there with, I met up with Jack Stewart the first day. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, but on Friday, I, uh, I was going to do just a long drive. I was going to hit up a couple states I had never been to. And I thought, hey, I'm close by. I rented a car, which I was fortunate I was able to get a car with everything that was going on. And I drove up to Biloxi, Mississippi. And I was there and I was looking at the news reports and I just had this voice saying, get out of town, get out of town. And I, I hesitated. I hit up a couple of casinos. I went and had lunch. I walked on the beach. I did my feet in. took some promo photos. About four o'clock, I finally picked up the phone and called uh, American Airlines. And I'm um, sure glad I did, because I got the la- not the last flight out of New Orleans, but the last flight they could get me on, which was that Saturday before the hurricane hit. And um. Yeah, I was extremely grateful when I landed in Miami. I heard that the uh, airport was closed. I think it reopened five or six days later for American Airlines. So I would have been spending quality time in New Orleans that I wouldn't have enjoyed that much.
0: Wow, yeah. Very very grateful. Tammy and I were watching the weather forecast, and we kept making the reference that, man, Eric just got out in time. And then this wave would come in, like, Eric just missed that. Everything was referred to you and the storm. That was hilarious. (laughs)
1: I appreciate that. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful city. I was by myself, so I'd love to go back. Next time I go back, I will not be alone. That was the only, but but I had a good time. I went to, I did a ghost tour one of the nights. I met a super great tour guide. I ended up hanging out with him at a local bar um, with some of his friends. So that was kind of neat to be with some locals. Um, I wrote a chapter of the next book at Cafe Du Monde. I put my, my title character there in the seat I was in, having a meeting that I wasn't having, but I was telling a meeting that could have occurred. And uh, yeah, it was a magical trip. I'm, uh, I am was grateful for it and very grateful I got out of towns in time, so.
0: Well, we're gonna talk about The Body Man. I'm, I'm very anxious, I've got so many things to say, but I do want to introduce uh, to, to much of my audience who may not know who you are, which in my world seems pretty impossible. <laughs> But Eric, you know you've lived in the Rockies, the Pacific Northwest, and now you currently live not very far from where I spent the last twenty plus years. Mm. I was in Charlotte, and you're you're in between. Well, you're just shy of Asheville, aren't you?
1: I'm a little okay, so. I moved since uh, I moved about a month and a half ago. So I'm currently actually about. I'm directly between Asheville and Charlotte actually Asheville, charlotte and greenville south carolina is a triangle if i want to drive an hour i can get to any city um that i want to but um some yeah
0: let's see so you're you're close to shelby too aren't you
1: very close to shelby Yes. yeah
0: there absolutely. is a barbecue place in shelby
1: Uh-oh, i'm listening
0: oh it is uh <clears throat> god what is the name of that it is it has not changed since they built it in like 1957 it's just okay. before you hit the big master super walmart it's on the uh, south side of the highway before you i'm gonna find a dude it's some of the best yeah, barbecue the yeah
1: okay uh, there's actually a really good barbecue place too up in uh, hendersonville uh, hubba hubba that's where i'd go and actually my son has karate and so i spent a lot of time in Saluda, north carolina and Saluda has a Green River barbecue, which, you know, I might frequent on a somewhat regular basis. So
0: Somewhat regular basis. My brother and uh, sister-in-law in Hendersonville, they've been there for 20 years. They love it up there.
1: It's a great, great, uh, great town. So I had an office up there up until about a month and a half ago. And um, I haven't started missing it yet, but I will at some point. Yeah. I have quite a lot of friends up there. So I make it, I'll still make it up that way every few weeks. Um, I actually did write, so probably about. Eight six eight six, eight months ago, I was writing yet a different story, not tied to the body man. Um, and I, put, I decided to put a big chunk of the beginning of the book set right in that area um, in Asheville. And then also I had quite a little uh, scene going on in downtown Hendersonville. And that was kind of neat. I did it one night after work. Uh, I just sat out on downtown and just wrote from that perspective of looking at those buildings. And there was a brewery down the road. And I decided this character needed to uh, have a uh, action scene. So I sat down at the brewery and I just pictured her leaving the brewery <clears throat> discreetly and going out to the parking lot and taking care of business as I was looking out. And these four people that are sitting at their benches have no idea that I'm planning someone's demise um, as they're enjoying their beer. But uh, it's a great night. I enjoyed it. It was a great writing time. So
0: as I said to uh, Nicole uh, earlier in the week um on a, another podcast, I said, she was talking about research. I went, Oh, you're traveling for research. I'm like, that's a nice thing about us writers that we can, <laughs> we have to do all this travel for research, which for means research. we can, you know, write it off and such. And speaking of this travel, my, I kind of was leading up to the question of, are you, have you found yourself with your wanderlust subsiding? Are you, are you getting to a place where you, and, and I know you love to travel, but have you gotten kind of grounded now? and you, you, know, you like where you are and you'll 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 save that travel to maybe just vacations and such
1: um yeah you know i've kind of that's been the case for a while especially with young kids um and just with life situations the way it is now i'm pretty much going to be in this area for a while yeah no the wanderlust is not subsided i just have to you know you have to tame the beast sometimes sometimes i just got to take a broom and push it down a little bit and say you know have to wait a little bit, but um, you know I'm got a beast. birthday coming up next week, and I'm getting older, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing that my uh, my bucket list and my wish list has not gotten smaller, and um, yeah, I want to start knocking some of those big things off. So, but I tell you what, this was the big one, having that book. as uh, the digital version, all I got in my hands at the moment. But um, yeah. you know, having that in my hands and having that that mm-hmm. was a big item to click off, and I'm you know my belief on it. you you kind of go through things in life, and you realize what you're made of, you kind of reinforce or change your beliefs sometimes. Um, And I've realized I've come to the fact that I am really a glasses half full kind of guy. And
0: you you,
1: you can be a glasses half empty, and you're probably going to have a half empty glass. So I'm convinced that the better times are coming. And um, I can prevent them from occurring by my attitude. I kind of feel like with this first book, you know, I've kind of shoved my foot and part of my leg in the door, but that's just my foot and my leg going in the door. The rest of me still sitting out here saying, Hey, I need to get the rest of me in. And I don't know how long that process will take. I don't know what that process looks like because that process is kind of out of my hands. Um, and I've kind of made peace with that, that I'll just bust my ass. I'll push really hard. And, um, one day I'll get my ass through that door and, you know, things will be on the other side. We'll see how that works out.
0: Superb. So on top of all that great r- mindset which I've really come to respect and appreciate and admire about you Tammy and I talk about this a lot how do you we, like what's that palpable feeling of having that book drop just yesterday and seeing that out into the world like officially
1: you know it's kind of an it's kind of a combination of extreme joy and frightening terror um (laughs) because that that baby that you (laughs) that you had is no longer baby it's gone now it's out of your hands it's out of your house you have no control of what that thing does um and it's strange it's a strange feeling uh because you know especially with this book you know this is my fourth book this wasn't my first rodeo uh this is the first time I got into the big dance but uh, um this one took a while this one actually took a while to even write the first ones came a lot quicker. Um, and so I've invested a lot into this and it, it was weird A couple, uh, weeks back, I gave my final edits back to the publisher. Um, and I even like sent a note back to them and you know, this is, this isn't my book anymore. This is their book. This is really yeah. everyone's book. And that's, a, it was a weird thing to wrap my head around that night of, I can't change it anymore. I can't go in and go, crap. I really didn't mean to say that.
0: No um, more edits It's out there. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's out there for good. Yeah. Um, And I had total peace with that. I'm very blessed. very blessed to be at this spot. Um, And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to what will come next.
0: Well, great big congratulations from the Thriller Zone and everybody who has been supporting you. I do want to ask for those who are either relatively new to the show or relatively new to Eric Bishop and The Body Man, tell our audience first, what is a Body Man? Because it's a specific gig. And then we're going to get into kind of the real thematic structure of the story yeah, in, with, without giving, uh, you know,
1: without giving too much away. So if you don't mind indulge me, I'll go back a, a brief of how I came up with the concept behind it. Um, and that's so, actually
0: my next question. So you're just jumping yeah. ahead, which is perfectly cool. Well, yeah. it,
1: it, it'll blend in well. So what is a body man? Well, I heard the term before I knew what it was. Uh, so the quick story on that was I was doing a cleaning job several years ago, you know, kind of, do what you got to do to make ends meet to provide for a family of four. Sure. And um, I wanted a new story. And so I walk into this uh, office building that I was cleaning that night. And I just had, it wasn't a voice, it wasn't anything weird. It was just, I had this thought run through my brain. There's always someone who knows where the bodies are buried. And I was like, well, and so I started asking myself questions, not out loud because I'm not a crazy person. Um, well, who would know where the bodies are buried? And the first thing that popped in my mind was, well, the body man would know. And the next thing that popped in my mind was a news story I saw. Um, president Obama had a man that worked for him, or with him, um, named Reggie Love. Um, I actually know someone who interacted and knows Reggie, which was quite ironic. Uh, years later, I found that out. Um, but Reggie was referred to by the media as the body man. And I still, to this day, I didn't really research it very much, I didn't care. I just, that stuck with me that there was a person near the president called the body man. And From what I gathered, he probably, held his Blackberry, maybe held his cigarettes, and you know, so no one would see him. He did whatever President Obama asked him to do and said, yes, sir. Um, Well, so my brain said, well, that would be a really boring story to have someone just be a, you know, an assistant to the president. Um, How am I gonna make that into a story? So of course I couldn't go there. And I said, well, what if there was a secret service role that was affectionately referred to as the body man? But what if their job wasn't to protect the president? What if their job was to protect the office? And so I kind of went down a rabbit trail that night and kind of just flushed out a really high level story in about three hours of, well, what would that body man do? What would their role be? And what if something happened to that body man? So that's how, you know, the book gets started with that where the body man is taken. Um, so the, the, the 32,000 foot view on the body man is, what is their role? Well, their role is to protect the office. And that's a very broad term, but their role is actually fairly broad. They are supposed to protect the office of the president, even from the president themselves. That's where it gets a little trickier. Um, so they they kind of have a twofold responsibility. First, if the president does something that's you know not gonna bode well for the office of the president, well you're a cleaner at that point. You fix it. You clean it up. Sure. Again, whatever it takes. However. The other side of that is they do have the authority to intervene and prevent the president, uh, him or her, from doing whatever it might be that's gonna sully the reputation of the office. And that one is gonna be explored in future books. So Mm -hmm. that one's actually a huge plot point for book two and really, really for book three. I'm having fun exploring that of, you've got a person in the White House with a tremendous amount of power and in a city like Washington, DC, they don't like an unelected official to have a lot of power. So, um, you know, what's going to happen. The question is what's not going to happen. Right. How long
0: did it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into, I'm going to weave in and out of questions that I, as a writer want to know besides just you being a rock star. Um,
1: Oh, speaking of rock stars. Oh yeah. I'm wearing my Rolling Stones shirt for you. I
0: might do my
1: Mick Jagger accent a little bit for you.
0: Oh, yeah, please don't. Um, how, long- <laughs> how was the concert? Go ahead. It was phenomenal, right?
1: Phenomenal. So I, the the 32nd version of that is I didn't have low expectations, but I'd never seen the Stones. I'm not a huge Stones fan. I like a bunch of their songs, but I don't listen to a lot of their albums. Sure. Um, It was phenomenal. It was like top three concert in my life, which it wasn't that I didn't expect them to do a good job, but you know, Jagger's 78 years old. He has a four-year-old. You know, he's got a kid younger than I have, and he's got me by, you know, a few years. Um, yeah, it was an amazing show. Um, he, the the music was great. The The entertainment value, fireworks at the end. Um, but so the accent, and I know I don't have it good, but so the morning of the concert, you know, of course, I'm on social media. You've noticed that once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a tweet out there that they tweeted that Mick was at a bar.
0: I saw right it, yeah.
1: Four. And no one knew he was there. Like yeah. even like even the day after a news story came out that the owners said the employees didn't even know Mick Jagger was there. So he brought it up during the concert. He said, oh, I was exploring Charlotte last night and uh, I went for a drink at the Thirsty Beaver.
0: Thirsty and, Beaver. Oh my
1: goodness. The, I don't know how many thousands of people are at the show. It just erupts. And I, I guarantee you, there might not have been anyone at the Thirsty Beaver that night before looking for Mick Jagger, but I bet you the Thirsty Beaver had thousands of people there that night great the costume. thirsty
0: beavers of uh, not far from the, my neighborhood where i lived there in charlotte and it is uh it's a dive, it's a little, it's a dive. back to the body man let me ask you this uh, i wanted to know from a writer standpoint how long did it take you to bang out that first draft because you said you'd been working on it for many years but i, I want to find out first draft and then from that point how long did it take you to really feel, feel really good and strong to hand it to the editor and say okay or, or or publisher and go you know what I'm i'm pretty close there to be done <laughs>
1: ironically enough what became the body man I started 2018 thriller fest wow um, I wrote the first chapter in Central Park the bulk of the writing happened at that beginning of that next year um, from like January and I finished it in April as you know as a writer you pour so much into it and when you get done with it a sense of relief is just at least for me it's very emotional uh, some people might not get emotional I do when I finish a book so that was April um, again after April I then started just going through it and trying to edit it. I pitched it that next year or that, that July in Thriller Fest. Um, I got some interest, but not a lot. And a bunch of the feedback I got from my full and partials was very conflicting. So I ended up again, going through it again, editing it a couple times, gave it to an author friend who really championed this book for me. And um, he recommended hiring a professional editor. So that's what I did at that point. I found a, a gentleman that he recommended out in Hawaii. When that came around again to Thriller Fest, I ended up not pitching again. That was, I think, 2019, I guess, at that point. So I didn't pitch it that year because I felt like, you know, I've already pitched it. And I looked at the agent list, and most of the agents had already been there the year before. So I'm not going to pitch the same book twice. I mean, I'll get probably the same interest, and I'll probably get a lot of the same feedback. So at that point, I just started doing it just through word of mouth and just you know getting in slush piles basically it's such a as you know you you're fighting the same battle yeah. it's so difficult to get that foot in the door yeah. and there's re- and i you know i i don't read as many books this year as i have in previous years but i still do read a decent amount
0: well i do think there is a good amount of luck involved uh, again i'm going to refer to Nicole Bart who was uh, on recently with uh, everything we didn't say and she was talking about her having this Cinderella story that that her um, the first 50 pages got landed in a slush pile and got buried. She, she sent it, you know, without invitation. Right. But for some reason that woman uh, who picked her up ended up picking it up one day and said, bang, uh, I love it. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I think she got a two book deal. My point to that is, you just never know i am a big proponent i suppose because i've lived my entire life this way is you find your dream you chase your dream and if and you kind of say to hell with it anything else along the way if that is indeed what is burning inside you and you just you make your path part of this is you make your path part of it the universe supplies a path and there's a little bit of luck involved but you did it your way and mm-hmm. to the best of your ability and you got picked up and
1: yeah, absolutely. Your- and I feel very blessed for that. No. And I, I think we're right on the same page with that. Cause I used to not believe in the luck factor and I've had a couple of very successful people kind of lay out how it happened for them. And they've, they've all pretty much said that though, you got to get lucky. And I'm like, and, and that would bother me because that's something out of your control. That means I can do the best job. I can write the best, damn story that ever was put together and it still might not get picked up because i didn't get lucky so like, no i don't accept that you know now a few years into this um okay i you know maybe there is some factor of luck there i hope it's really small but but i still think though you you still got to do the work you got to do your job
0: you and i don't think right there's any, yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with luck i mean luck, a lot of people say oh you just lucked out well uh you know it makes me think of that when preparation meets opportunity uh quote uh and it also makes me think that you know sometimes your luck is a result of you putting your head down and barreling through anybody who's listened to the show has heard me reference on a number of occasions malcolm gladwell's ten thousand hours and the theory in Hollywood that yeah, it takes 10 years to become a success. So there is something to do with a, a, a credence, if you will, to putting in the time. And if yeah. you put in the time, then that builds in its own fiber of luck throughout the architecture of. Sure. Yeah.
1: I think your recent guest, you had Chris Hottie on. And Chris, yes. Chris is a great example of that. He's someone who published his first book, I believe it was in his 60s, early 60s. Um, late 50s early I think it was early 60s um, when Deep State came out um, and you know I've I watched the interview you did with him I've, I've interviewed him myself in the past and um, talked to him a bunch of times and you know he's had that same experience of there's you know there's no overnight success there, there's no. no such I really don't believe there's such a thing as overnight success you might have someone that you know on a whim, dump money into Bitcoin, is now a billionaire or whatever. But as a general rule, 99.9% of the time, any anyone you see that's successful, um, it took them a long time. And they busted their butt and they had to sacrifice something. And that's the other thing that I've tried to instill in people that just ask for advice or ask about the thing is you're gonna have to give something up to do this. You don't get anything good in life for free. Um, for me, Um, backwards to 2014, when I first started writing, um, I had to carve out the time with a family and I wouldn't let it interfere with the family. So I cut out television, which is, uh, was a very, it was actually a challenging thing to give up, but that was the one thing that if I got rid of that, that would free up enough time to actually dive into writing.
0: Stephen King is the guy who said, if you're, if you're going to be a good writer, you got to be a good reader. And when I first heard that I I, I went, yeah, I guess. And now after picking up the show and the volume of books I'm trying to read to yep. be able to do this show, it's real justice. I have learned, it's like I've taken my own little tiny master's class in mm-hmm. um, in great writing. And you you can uh, I'm finding now you can spot in an instant if a book works or if it doesn't work or if it's... Right. It's really. Uh, I tell my wife Tammy all the time. It's it's been such a great education. But I do want to say this. You, I think you gave me an early draft, and and this felt, so, yeah. yeah, this felt so much more mature and moved faster. And so here's my compliment. It mm-hmm. reminded me of. <laughs> it's so funny. I know you love Jack Carr as much as I do. So. There's a, an amalgamation of Jack Carr's obsession with gadgets. Meets the speed and brevity of chapter of James Patterson. So if you're a fan of either one of those, (laughs) you're going to be right at home with, with the uh,
1: Patterson's money, uh, uh, and Jack's toys, uh, Alex for a thousand.
0: uh, Yes. And yes. James Patterson, you know, I grew up, uh, I suppose when I really started getting into writing more and more on the side is I would f- I would fly through his books and part of it was <clears throat> I was flying across the country so much
1: hmm.
0: that I knew I could pick up a book in uh, New York and by the time I landed at LAX, I'd have the book read and I, I kind of dug that. Jack Carr's a little bit different about, uh, than that, for instance. But, right. you know, we both have an affinity for his uh, gadgetry. He, he's taken it to a whole new, almost a religion. So my, mm. my, my third point, so you got James Patterson, Jack Carr, and then I, as I got a chance to talk to Don Bentley, who is Mr. Tom Clancy now, I, I thought, you know what, Don was right. It does keep you guessing right up until the very end. So I just want to say, well done, sir.
1: Thank you. That 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 was the plan. So um, I'm I'm grateful it did that, and hopefully the next one will improve on it. You will, uh, that, and that's the one thing that's you try to do as a writer. You know, okay, I did this. How can I do it better? Um, and and I've at least found four books in now. Every book gets better. Um, yeah. which, and if, if that, not,
0: you're in the wrong business, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Now, I got a question because I love, uh, and I'm getting ready to. I think I'm going to turn one of my books over there in the corner into an audiobook because I tend to do that for all my books. But I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you who are you going to do The Body Man as an audiobook? That's number one. Number two is have you been approached by anybody to do a movie?
1: So I'd love to have an audiobook, and that one's out of my hands. Uh, hopefully, the book has strong sales and it'll flip into one after the fact. That's definitely the. Uh, That's definitely the desire. Um, as for the movie stuff, they've not come calling yet. I don't think the book's got enough, uh, got enough eyes on it yet. I know
0: a filmmaker who could probably help you out maybe get into the right room.
1: We'll We'll be be
0: talking about that after the show. Um, i do have a here's a couple of questions that i want to throw at you because i know you have such an avid uh, or vivid rather a vivid imagination if <laughs> talking about movies if you were to cast this in a movie and i know you do this you i know how you're wired eric
1: i know where you're going and you'd yeah. be surprised that i probably don't have an answer for you but you may ask because I, I got asked this in a, in a in a print interview the other day but go ahead okay or well might have. <laughs> it's
0: not super original but it's okay because it is a good question who as a movie we're going to make the, I'm going to fund the movie. We're going to make the movie. And I say to you, Eric, come here, buddy. I want you to tell me who you want to play the body, man.
1: And I, I'm not trying to skirt the thing. I never had a actor or a person in mind. As I wrote it, I can visualize the person I gave clues to that, but I didn't get as specific as what's in my head. Um, so I don't know. He'd have to be someone, you know, it couldn't be a young actor. The, the body man is a person that has to have experience. Um, so it can't be, a, you know, a 25, 28-year-old um, agent just getting, uh, just getting their feet wet. It has to be someone that served for a while. It has to be someone uh, very intelligent. And physically, they have to be able to meet certain specifications, but they really have to be, the intelligence is more important. Because the body man role, in some ways, is very much a person that's pulling pieces together to get the big picture. Um, and they're almost an investigator. So they're, they're almost closer to the FBI in some regards than they are maybe the Secret Service. Of course, the Secret Service does have a huge uh, investigative side.
0: I have the guy. I have the guy. When I was I actually, when I was reading the book, I put this guy into my mind as the guy and he happens to be one of my favorite actors and he happens to be a guy that I want to put in one of my books when I turn it into a movie and it's Gerard Butler. I know he was angel has fallen. I know he was in that, but I just think he would be awesome because he's, he's older. He's Mm -hmm. tough as nails. He's smart. He's savvy. Um, one of my favorite movies he ever did, which is not like yours, but den of thieves. And if you ever see him in that, you'll like, Oh Mm. yeah. Have you seen that?
1: I have not seen that one. (gasps) No, I told you, I told you I cut out a lot of movies for a long time. Dude, treat yourself
0: in in celebration. Since we've just released the book, treat yourself to a night of den of thieves, I promise you, if you like Jason Bourne. That kind of speed and action and, and cutting okay. and editing, you'll love it. Anyway, I don't want to believe okay. that point, but uh, Gerard Butler would be a great body man. I'm just saying. Okay,
1: you know Gerard's people can call my people, I guess. Yeah. So, you know my standard with a lot of answers always would be, well, George Clooney. I mean, George Clooney's you know the guy. So, and actually, George would probably make a great. Now, off the top of my head, you know he what? Would, he would actually possibly be. A, he might be a little too old for the body man. He actually would be a really good FBI director um in this in this book uh fbi director is going to play into the next book as well so um you know we could we could find a role for george george is definitely one that if you know i'll come up plate como anytime and talk about the story and i i just you know let me be involved in the process
0: george. i've got him on speed dial if you need to reach out to him but anyway um uh, the body man is out and ladies and gentlemen it is a heck of a read. it, Eric, I got to tell you, it my hat is off to you because I literally was doing this well into the night. Well, of course I'm doing this because I'm turning the pages electronically. I like a paper copy, but I couldn't get a paper copy in time, but that's okay. All right, before we start wrapping up and get to my speed round, I do want to ask you, is the next book, because I heard I've heard you reference it and I've been following you on social media. I know you're talking about it is it and if i missed this already please forgive is it a sequel or is it a standalone
1: no it is um it's it's what it's like with most thrillers now you can read it independently and not read the one before it but it is definitely where where the last chapter ends this one pretty much picks up awesome so it's going to keep going that the there's a there's a mission that must be finished put it that way and that's that's where we start off to try to take care of this problem
0: all right well as we start to wrap things up eric uh it is now time for my speed round of questions and i will admit now there i have a couple of favorites that i tend to play uh, time and again that everyone loves uh you okay. know like a couple of top 40 hits that you never get tired of there you go but but for you my friend i i spent a little time and i dug deep uh-huh. and i came up with three original ones for you There are Just a tiny variation, but you're going to like them. number one, you've just been retired. Thanks to a ginormous check. Everything's taken care. Yes. Everything's taken care of new house. Kids are good. Everything's, but instead of writing full time for the next year, just one year, you have to do one of the following. Either coach a sport or teach a course. It can be anything and anywhere. What and why?
1: Hmm. So I, for years, wanted to be a teacher and I kind of put that one aside and then I thought, yeah, I didn't really, why was I thinking that? Um, I did coach my son's soccer league for about five years. So I have coached already. Um, I think if I had to give up a year of my life, I would be a teacher. Yeah. But I would probably teach, I would probably do something unorthodox. I don't want to really wear a mask and sit in a classroom. I would, uh, like we are in 2021, I'd be outdoors. So I would do some kind of teaching thing. Um, I mean, my dream would be to be a park ranger at Yosemite. That but you could, could teach- kind of be a teacher. I could teach some, uh, mm-hmm. some uh, nature courses out there. Actually, that,
0: I, that will work. That will work.
1: But yeah, put me in Yosemite teaching okay. some class and for a year, um, I'm, I'm gonna be a pretty happy person. Okay, a happy person.
0: Question number two. It's the middle of the night. You've just been blindfolded and dropped off to an undisclosed location. Mm. We'll call it a deserted island for right now. and you're about to disembark when you're given the choice between three things. A choice of a nine millimeter glock, a shovel, or a flashlight, which would you choose and why? Huh.
1: <laughs> That's it, David. I don't, know, I don't know what you were smoking to come up with that one, but uh, can I have some? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> well, I'm not really afraid of the dark, so I'm not interested in a flashlight. Um, and actually, I, I've, I've been out a lot at night and I, my eyes adjust pretty well. So, flashlights out of the equation okay um what would i need a shovel for i'm assuming if i'm in the middle of this desert island i need to go to the bathroom i'll probably just not worry about burying it so i don't know if a shovel and i could use a shovel as a weapon but i think if i needed a weapon well i don't know there's another hold on you're making me think here because the nine millimeter probably will run out of bullets eventually unless i'm in hollywood so shovel i could use as a weapon long term but I'm probably going to stick with the gun because I could use the gun as a weapon even if I run out of bullets. So we'll we'll go with the nine millimeter. We'll go with the Glock. All right. It's a good choice.
0: Number three, you're going to really enjoy. It is a slight variation on a the theme, and you and I uh, daydream about this often. <laughs> By the way, thank you for that dissertation. This is just a way to kind of get inside your head in a slightly different way. You
1: might not want to know what's in there, but okay. <laughs> no,
0: probably not. Okay, I've just flown you on me first class to San Diego, where you and I will spend a full day of golf at Torrey Pines.
1: Thank you. Yes. South course, I hope.
0: South course it's, uh, celebrating both your book and your birthday. So it's a double whammy. Now afterwards we're going to have, after a day of golf, we're going to, we're going to have a dinner at the Marine room in La Jolla have fond memories. It's beautiful. It's right on the water. Okay. S- outstanding. Now I want you to bring two people to round out our foursome, both for the golf and for golf, uh, for cigars and dinner afterwards. Um, it can be dead or alive, maybe not family, Okay, I want to step outside that realm. So who will those two extras be that will be joining us?
1: If I can only have two, I'm going to do a man and a woman because, you know, Whatever. it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Bono. Bono's the one person um, that I've wanted to break bread with my my entire adult life. He's uh, he's on my favorite list. So if I'm, I'm going to get the imaginary choice to eat with anyone and smoke cigars and have a little... Uh, little Irish Guinness with, um, we're going to go with Bono. I, I think he's one of those fascinating people. Number two. Um, so for two, we'll go for a woman. You know, I, I got one. And actually I was going through my books and I was going through a bunch of history stuff the other day. Um, and I was reading a little bit about her. So first thing that's popped in my head is I'd actually go with Joan of Arc, who is a really obscure one probably. But I was uh, in Europe in 1996 and I was in, I'm going to butcher it. I think it's called Rams, it's R-E-I-M-S, it's a city right outside of Paris, and we were there, and they were having a, uh, um, they have a yearly festival, and they have a parade in honor of her, and it it struck me a while, I was looking through some pictures of Europe, and um, so I read about her, you know, her background, and, you know, here's someone who I think she died at 19, they killed her at 19, but she had a vision from God, that she was supposed to step up and lead the army, and lead them to victory. And, you know, that would be a really cool person. I thought about it. That'd be a really cool person to just get in their head. Um, You know, God didn't come to me and tell me to write a book or anything like that. But, you know, if God's telling you to go, you know, start an army and destroy people probably a really interesting person to have a couple drinks with and goodness knows after a couple drinks was she
0: all right my very last question and it's funny you should mention god twice in that sentence you've just arrived at the pearly gates and god is walking your way he has a copy of the body man under his arm and a big smile on his face what is the one thing you hope he says as he welcomes you in
1: i going to say, I hope he doesn't hit me with the copy. That was the first thing that pops in my head. Well done, that good and faithful servant. You know, I just want to be told, hey, you know what? You did a good job. You didn't always make the right decisions. You didn't always say the right things. But you were, you were a good guy. You, you raised your kids, loved your kids, loved your family, loved your friends. And um, hey, you wrote a pretty good book, too. I gave you that, <laughs> but uh, good job, buddy.
0: Nicely yeah. done. All right. That was really spectacular. Um you you, you did me fun. proud, yeah.
1: That was We're fun. Getting, I enjoyed that. <laughs>
0: playing golf, smoking cigars, Joan of Arc, Bono, God's There. We're having Glocks and Shovels and Flashlights and teaching people at Yosemite. Well, think, ladies and I think
1: that's a day fulfilled right there, yeah, I tell you. That
0: is a life fulfilled.
1: <laughs> that might be.
0: Run to your nearby bookstore or online wherever you shop and pick up a copy of Eric Bishop's The Body Man. Trust me, you will be very pleased.
1: Thank you, David. I appreciate that.
0: And thank you, sir, for the gift of your time and friendship. And I wish you nothing but ginormous success. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks, Eric. We're all rooting for your huge success. Congrats on the debut. Okay, now to next week's show. As part of our two guests per week for our Thanks for Giving Your Support November, on Monday, self-pub maestro Kevin Tomlinson joins the show to talk about his book, Compromised. And then on Friday, the thriller writing team of Mullen and Mabry, Steph and Nicole will join to talk about The Family Tree. I hope you'll join us. And as always, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, thanks for reviewing, and thanks for subscribing. There's a lot of thanks in there for the month, isn't it? I'm David Temple. I'll see you next time in the Thriller
1: Zone.